Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back for a second episode of the week. This one looking at the Clash of the Codes matchup between Bath and Wigan back in the 1990s. In fact, what year was it, Phil? Uh, 95, 96, sorry. 96. So rugby just gone professional at this point. Yeah, this is the end of the 95, 96 season, which I think was the first one of them being formally professional. Uh, so I guess thanks Sky Sports for replaying both of these games back yes. to back on Friday night the, the the rugby league matchup at Main Road and then the rugby union matchup at Twickenham uh, straight afterwards how, how do you enjoy it JB? It was weird the whole thing was weird I didn't expect to I didn't expect to react to it the way that I did and I can't really just well I can't really attribute to why it happened but I just found myself really supporting Wigan I don't know what, what it was about the Wigan team, but they just seemed so much more noble and worthy than worthy that, than the Bath team. And also, even though I'm not from the North as such, I'm, I'm Welsh, North Wales, I'm going to just be bursting with pride for this Northern team. But it's, it's from a small town. Wigan's a, a really, really small town. Uh, and this was not simply just a good rugby league team. It wasn't just a good, a great rugby league team or a great rugby team. I think it's probably one of the great sports teams that the British Isles has ever produced. It was amazing. I, I think you've, you're probably right. And we, we spoke in detail last week about the, the names who were incredibly famous at the time and who are still famous in rugby circles. The like of uh, Jason Robinson, Twiggle Marler, Martin O'Fire, Henry Paul, Sean Edwards, Andy Farrell. They are rugby legends across both codes well, as well. Yeah, I was going to say rugby union legends. Yeah, yeah. 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 They, they are like all-time rugby greats, both in terms of their on-field um, across both codes and uh, certainly in some cases, um, their off-field, their coaching. The, the impact um, of the Wigan Rugby League team was more significant in rugby union than the Bath team. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It doesn't even come close. Uh, it, it made me feel a bit sad as well because... You know, these teams, I don't know why, I'm sort of making a link, I guess, between how shoddy, the, uh, I've got to pick my words carefully now, but how shoddy these northern towns are now, and sort of like how, I'm not deprived, but, you know, the sort of, you know, the, like the, the post-industrial north, but what pride that they had in these incredible sports teams, and they were incredible sports teams. Uh, and now they just don't exist. I mean, Super League does exist, and I still like to watch it occasionally, but nothing to what it used to be. 
yeah, it, it, definitely nothing. And the probably one of the things to touch on is the difference in class between the two teams. And there's probably a few things. So you've got an all-time great Wigan team against a good bat team, a, a bat team that was good enough to win the league. Five times. Yeah, um, including that season. But um, that Wigan team was exceptional. But there was a bigger golfing class than that. And I, I would put it down to the professionalism. Well, it's very easy to put it down to the professionalism aspect. Because particularly in that first game, when that Wigan backline, and it's not just the backline because the forwards were skilled ball players and picked good angles as well. When that Wigan team were running angles, offloading, passing, picking lines, it was like the Bath defence had never seen anything like it. They probably hadn't. It was like totally alien. But that that Wigan team, like we watch it now and it almost seems amateurish compared to what we're used to. Yeah. But it was so far ahead of the the curve in rugby union at that point in time that it was yeah. just it was miles ahead. Miles yeah. So ahead. It's, in, it's interesting you say that because when you watch rugby league now, the way that they the patterns of running and the way they do things is so precise. I mean it's really it's really quite incredible to watch. And I kind of assumed that that had been developed for the last 20, 30, 40 years. So the, the rules in league have been broadly consistent for 50-odd years. Whereas the rules in union, I mean, it's completely unrecognisable. I was surprised how um, unevolved the game was, actually. But then I thought, maybe they didn't need to be that evolved because they were playing Bath. Yeah, and, and they, were, they were so much better. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think... And that's one of the disappointments of the entire game, which is I don't think that, in fact, both games, I don't think Wigan particularly played even close to what they could do. Probably not. <laughs> I, I totally agree with what you say, Phil. The, the conditioning of rugby league players at that point in time was light years ahead of rugby union. And I think if you had a, a similar match now, I think it would be, albeit the nuances of rugby league, would mean that the rugby league team would win probably pretty handily as well against the rugby union team trying to play rugby league. But I actually think it would it would it it wouldn't it would be the reverse. Rugby unions had time now and actually has got the pick of the players because it picks from a, a bigger pool. It's got the bigger resources, so it attracts more of the players. We've seen that with George Ford, Noam Farrell, for example. Um, and it just and the, the the moment that I knew what I was going to be in for. And I, I vaguely remember the games. I don't think I watched them, but I was aware of them and might have seen highlights on Rugby Special on BBC Two on the Sunday <laughs> night or whatever. <laughs> but um, but I, the moment I, I got it for me was when they walked out of the tunnel at Main Road and I looked at the lock. I can't remember whose name was. It might have been Martin Hogg or... Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Martin Hogg and, was playing. And he, he's a big old guy, Martin Hogg, but he, he hardly had any quads hardly any definition on his quads and I thought my god rugby players have changed so much yeah massively and like in the rugby union in the reverse fixture the rugby union fixture it, there was, it came up with the pack weights at one point and the bath pack was lighter than the Wigan pack it was 10 stone lighter yeah 10 stone lighter <laughs> and, and it was 126 stone the bath pack which is 15 and 2 thirds stone so like 15 8 basically 15 8 15 9 
average <laughs> with players like Victor Abogu and Nigel yeah. Redman and uh, <laughs> Martin Hagen, and Steve Ajomo. Ajomo, yeah, Ajomo was a handy player, wasn't he? Um, so, I don't know, right, if... So, I always think about size of players and whatnot. I think, would I be big enough to play a higher level of rugby 20 years ago than what... So, I'm 6'2", right? Would I be big enough to play... A high level of rugby back in the day, rather than that, because undoubtedly everyone is everyone is big enough. And I think, yeah, probably physically that stacks up. But even though this batting were pretty rubbish um, compared to the Wigan team, they are still pretty hard. Uh, and the game itself is far more dirty and far more cheap shots. Oh yeah. And I don't think I think a lot of modern players now, particularly in the amateur uh, era, would really struggle to play that because it is so it's so chippy. Yeah. There'll be all sorts of unseen stuff going on at scrum time, at rook time, yeah, and, everywhere. And the, props, and the props, once they started screwing the Wigan guys, they didn't stop. They actually did. <laughs> you couldn't even do that in like level eight. But it's like, it, in the Union game, I'd, I'd probably say if, if scrums had gone uncontested, if, if Wigan had dropped... They, they did in the props, second half, didn't they? Did they? Yeah. Late, very late on, because there were still like pushover tries basically in the first 20 minutes of that second half. They were letting them have the lineouts and stuff, weren't they? Yeah, lineouts were got a bit easier, but there's the scrums. I, I think Wigan probably could have won that had, had they. <laughs> yeah. no, Wigan at the breakdown were hilarious. Though. <laughs> yeah, but I did were. think, I mean, so that first, obviously. Bath took an absolute hiding in the first game, and it, it was it was not even. Not even funny. It was not even close. It was men against boys. It wasn't even entertaining. As no, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't. Neither it game wasn't. was entertaining. They were both terrible spectacles. But that that's the start of that second game. Um, the rooking was absolutely ridiculous because basically the whole bath pack were fired up and wanted to um, rectify <laughs> yeah. the embarrassment. So eight men flew over the ball for every single one of like the first 10 rooks it was eight men, the whole pack over the ball and and the first few scrums as well were were pretty brutal but you kind of think like if we're going to come and i don't think we're going to take in this game particularly seriously because i have two players come out of retirement to play in joe yeah. Lydon and uh, someone else i can't remember the Great, other graham west who was the coach at the time he was 43 the key yeah. coach yeah uh, you know, don't tell me they're taking it that seriously. But if they really were taking it seriously, they would have known just weathered the storm. In fact, don't even contest the rucks. Well, I think the weekend prior, so Wigan beat uh, Bath in Rugby League at Main Road, and then the following weekend they won the Middlesex Sevens, yeah. which I think highlights, <laughs> which I think highlights the point you're talking about, Phil, which is that their athleticism and their and the. The, physic- the physical specimens that they were were such that they could just go, oh, we'll have a go at sevens and win it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fifteens, when you bring in the lineouts and the scrums and the rucks. It's a, I, well, I, th- I think Bradford would win the middle six, that sevens as well. Bradford think- Bulls, yeah, I think you're right. And they've a bloody brilliant sevens team. With, uh, I mean, depending on which team that they, that they showed up with. But I'm sure they had one of the Paul brothers. They had Vinicolo. They had... Hot, um, Harvey, they had Paul. Did they have a Tomkin? Paul, uh, Paul Deacon. Paul Deacon, yeah. Deacon, yeah. Deeks, the, the, the best kicker in either codes by percentage. <laughs> is that true? It is absolutely true. If, before we get any further into the weeds on the game, what about the fireworks before the game in, in the first match? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It like, was like Beirut. 
1990. <laughs> <laughs> and little Chinese firecrackers. And you yeah. couldn't see anything. It's, yeah, it's weird. So I, 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 did, I, like, I like that idea. I did notice that this, um, this game at Main Road predated the enormous Sky Mechanical Arm that was in, installed in all Ruby League grounds. Yeah. Do you know what I was amazed at? Like, genuinely amazed at? Um, Sky managed to get Nicola Sturgeon to do the um, <laughs> do the hot side trap. <laughs> I mean, that's really mixing politics and culture and sport. I, I, that is incredible. Just I to explain, because for anyone who didn't watch it, <laughs> I, all I remember is seeing uh, Eddie and Steve-O with Stuart Barnes. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that, Stuart Barnes makes a lot more sense, because I did not like Nicola Sturgeon's know-it-all condescending attitude, I must say. Yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, so that, that, that was very good. Now, in terms of commentators, right, I don't, I think there are many commentators better than Eddie and Steve. Many, many commentators. They're brilliant though, aren't they? I don't <laughs> think there is a pair that are better though. I don't think as a duo, but there is any, there is, there's any two voices which combine in the same way that these two do. I think they are the the best of the best when it comes to setting the stage. It doesn't matter what the game was, right? We could have been watching uh, two of the worst teams in Super League put out B teams, and it would still be the greatest game the world has ever seen. <laughs> they love Super League so much. They yeah. love rugby league so much, and it's infectious. And there's, and can, there's lots we learn. And also, oh come on, was playing. The music. The dance music they played, and they played it on the telly after every try as well. Every try, they'd fire up the dance music. Do they still have that music? I think they do, you know. I think, I think they do. I think it might be the they're, same. They, they, they've had two tunes. They've had that, and they've had another one. But they should never change it. No, um, no, no. Um, I've just realised that wasn't connected to the speakers, so for the benefit of anyone who didn't hear that. Beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's, it's glorious stuff. It really it is. It is great stuff. <laughs> but yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the fact they played... Um, I can't remember the song they were playing at the very start. It was something so cheesy, and I loved how brilliantly cheesy it was. But straight after the final whistle, the, the song that Wigan played immediately after the final whistle when they won was Tina Turner's Simply the Best. <laughs> I just loved how naff it was. I think that wasn't that song like synonymous with Wigan for, for and, and that team for a I think you're right, time. actually, yeah. I think yeah, you're right. They, they won everything in the game oh, yeah. oh, many times. Yeah, it's easy to see, isn't it, how Wigan was such, was such a big name in sport that little Sean Edwards ended up going marrying Heather, um, Heather Small. From <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I'll tell you what I noticed in the, which the rugby league influence that it had on rugby union, not just in the players on show with Jason Robinson, Sean Edwards, and um, who else? Henry Paul. Henry Paul. Farrell. That's the other one. Twigamala. Yeah. Twigamala. Twigamala. Uh, yes. yes, Scott Quinnell. Returning back to rugby union soon after that little jaunt with uh, Wigan. Yeah, he went, but he went to Richmond. Richmond, um, yeah. But um, no, the influence of rugby union on the field as well, tactically, you could see in this game the fact that when Bath were attacking in rugby league, they barely got past the game line because those two words, line speed. Line speed. Yeah. Wigan had that fitness conditioning and they were just out of the traps and on them. 
yeah. smashing them. And the number of times Bath were trying to make tackles, and you can see they're just not strong enough because uh, yeah. they were just getting shrugged off. But the other thing that um, compounded that um, issue, and it's the line speed again, but when Wigan were defending, their line was uniform. It was coming up fast as a, a single line, whereas the Bath team, when their conditioning dropped and they were fatigued, they were just dog legs everywhere, which made there was just so much room for for Wigan to break the line. Yeah, um, I forgot what, what I was going to say though. Sorry, that was really really it's interesting right. as well. I'll ask Sorry. a question: Which player that didn't move over to Rugby Union, Andy Farrell? Did you mention Andy Farrell when we did that little list? Then I think you might yeah. have done. Anyway, um, which player that didn't move over to Rugby League that you saw in this rugby this Wigan team? Would you? think would have had the best impact on rugby union if they'd come over. Did Sean Christ Edwards came over? Did Sean Edwards never play, did he? he just no, he didn't. Because he was a Sean Edwards was a hell of a player. His range of passing and his ability to pick a pass. So he was it was shown many, many times in this game. But he was a superb, superb player. And this this period of rugby league was when I was a rugby league fan. I, I had at this time I had the Salford Reds season ticket, so I watched this team, this wow. Wigan team, live probably many times. But yeah, Sean Edwards could have been had he had he converted at the right time. Um, he could have been a very very handy, um, probably probably fly half or twelve. He, he actually probably could have done the same role that his almost opposite number Mike Cat did. Mm. In rugby union, yeah. So I'm asking the the question a different way. Okay, if you were to reconstitute a Wigan side now, and you don't know what do they have? Five rugby union greats in their rugby league side. Which five would you take now from the Premiership to to put into a rugby league side? Who makes the most sense? That's a good question. Well, George Ford straight away. Yeah, George Ford. Yeah, so George Ford is going to do the. Either the Henry Paul or Sean Edwards role. Yeah. Um, so Tuolagi can definitely do the Twigamala role. Yep. Um, yeah. He'd be mega. He'd Joe, be... Joe, Joe Thock and a singer out of the Premiership might be quite handy. Yeah. yeah it's going to have to be someone a little bit more left, like a Zach Mercer or. Yeah. So someone to do the Andy Farrell role, which is so he was a big, strong runner, but he was skillful as well. Tell you what, Sam Simmons wouldn't be half bad at this. Yeah, Simmons or Ben Earl. Either one of those two would be very Oh, handy. I like that. And then just a brutish ball carrier. No, uh, J- Jack Willis. Jack Willis. Is, yeah. He might be an Andy Farrell because he's, uh, I don't know, no, because his breakdown skills are one Andy of his Farrell best things. Could, you wouldn't get yeah. to do that. But Andy Farrell could fling around a ball. Yeah, he could. His distribution really was really around. good. Yeah, and like Andy Farrell, he's more. He was more when he moved to Rugby Union. It was, he was most at home at twelve. So allegedly, a... Dan Scarborough used to complain that his hands used to hurt after uh, standing next to Andy Farrell in passing drills. Maybe Mark, <laughs> maybe like Mark Atkinson would be a loose forward. Yeah, hmm. he's big. Van Rensburg. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's. A, I think that's a good question. A big back with great hands. Harry Malinder. Malinder, yeah. Maybe maybe not. Maybe, maybe he wouldn't like to make that many tackles. Yeah, maybe not as good in contact. Did you notice where um, Andy Farrell played? 
um, in the Union game. Second row, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Was he really? Because Scott Quinnell played eight, kind of obviously. <laughs> they, actually, that's a good point. They showed the Scott Quinnell weight at that at that time. He must have been the heaviest player on the park. Oh, he must yeah. have been. He was 120, he also... 120, 120 kgs. kgs. Which for a back row now is big. Yeah, and also, you've got to also think that um, Bath were a, bit, a little bit lucky because wasn't Danny Young there until very, very recently before that game? Uh, <laughs> he did, yeah, he played for Wigan, didn't he? He did play for uh, Wigan, Young didn't played for Wigan. I didn't you know this. He, no, did I didn't know. Did he, did he play for Salford at one point? I'm yeah, sure I, I think. don't think. I would say Wigan. It's, it definitely seems like Wigan's in my mind, but maybe he didn't. Maybe he, played, but he definitely played, played, played rugby league. Uh, no, it was so it was Leeds and Salford. Uh, was it? So I, I do remember this. I remember there was another, I, can't, I have no idea who the other prop was. God, this is taking me back a few years. But in, in the early 90s, when I was a uh, Salford Red season ticket holder, um, they, they had two Welsh props, one of whom was Die Young and one of whom was someone else. But they used to um, occasionally compete at scrum time. Nice. So rugby league scrums certainly at that stage. I don't even know what the, the laws are now, but it was it was like notionally there was an unwritten rule that you wouldn't contest it, but occasionally Salford with these two Welsh props would contest just, it and just yeah. blow past them totally. About seven years ago, I watched um, Wakefield contest a scrum and win it against the head. Yeah. So it, it, it can occasionally happen. Have I told you my Salford City Red story? <laughs> which one we talk about the willows probably far too often <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it must have been about a decade ago now but a good friend of mine dear friend of yours everyone knows him uh, a guy called Peter Jones um, there's a good Welsh prop yeah uh, there is a great Welsh prop um, he bought me uh, a a ticket to watch Wales versus Scotland in Edinburgh I think something like that doesn't really matter uh, and that was just, he, he, he just bought it. I was like, oh, that's very kind of pets. Uh, how, how, how can I repay you? He goes, oh, you know, just sorting out uh, later on. Fairly open end, a fairly open ended affair. So I thought, I know, we've been to watch Sovereign City Reds quite a lot at the Willows. I'll treat him to a, uh, to a Sovereign City Red stop. So I went, I went on, on the online ordering thing, ordered uh, a red one for myself, uh, a white away one for Pedder. Two weeks later, nothing from some. Uh, nothing from Salford. So I called them up and uh, still picked up the phone. I went, hi, I've ordered one red top and one white top online. They went, oh, Mr. Beardmore. Such a rugby league. Well, rugby league in general. Like we, I was looking this week at um, some of the, the rugby league organisational photos and the <laughs> The press photos of Tony Adams being oh. um, signed in as the RFL president are just, they are unbelievable. So it was like a sitcom. It was like a sitcom had arranged that shot for a scene. Yeah. yeah. There's, like, there's multiple like shots. Wrote the scene. There's multiple shots. There's the one of, there's one of uh, Andy Burnham, who was the previous um, RFL president was he really andy burnham was rfl president andy burnham tony adams and the next one is uh which takes i think she takes over next year is gonna be claire balding what, what have these people got so there's real there's real pedigree in this role 
<laughs> Will Claire Boarding's photo be in front of a vending machine? I hope so. That photo in front of the vending machine is one of the all-time great sport photos. <laughs> With the metal chains. Yeah. The two of them have got the golden gold chains. They're on like... Um, car boot sale tables with vending machines and a folded up uh, ping pong table behind them. And then there's the Michael, Michael Jordan jo- yeah. Michael Jordan quote behind... I think I might... Um, I'll post it on our Twitter this week. Um, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable is exactly the right word. <laughs> unbelievable. It's perfect. It, it is perfect. Just there's, a- no, there's nothing you could tweak... It's the, the vacant look. I remember the guy, the vacant look on one of the guy's face, yeah, just staring yeah. into the, the thousand yard stare. The oh one guy, has one guy got like a shirt untucked or something. Yeah. yeah. Something short like sleeve, that. Sh- short, short sleeve, sleeve shirt. shirt. Of course. With a pocket. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. I mean, they are custodians of one of the world's great games. Uh, it's, just a, it's just sad to see what it is. <laughs> I want to see that picture again. Yeah, I, I will tweet it. I'll tweet it um, on Tuesday or Wednesday. I'll tweet it when this pod goes out. Um, on the game, so one of the things that um, struck me when I was... It's actually towards the end of the um, the second game. I've played with and against a few players who played in this, which is quite cool. Oh, let me guess. Was it? Any guesses? Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm actually just purely. Uh, we'll move on to this. I'm just going to share the screen. There you go. Oh, that's the amazing, one. isn't it? <laughs> that's the one. The, the guy with his. Two yeah, he's, pockets. There's a guy. <laughs> there's a guy with the short sleeve shirt, and he's got trainers on. He's got trainers on. Yeah. The uh, the guy with his t- the guy with his tongue out, and the top button undone. Tony Adams, you can see the look. He's thinking, what the hell have I got myself into? <laughs> the phones on the table are all Nokia 3210s. Those are not phones, Tim. Those are dictaphones. Oh, they're dictaphones, are they? Okay. Presser, presser about. <laughs> I, fa- <laughs> I failed time and again. That is why I succeed. Michael quote. Jordan, what a They've quote. They've got four people being interviewed by six journalists, from what I can tell by the, by the phones. <laughs> Oh my word! That that picture is perfect. Yeah, that will go back. That will go up again. Yeah. Let's oh, so good. It's unbelievable right. that picture. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Any, one, any guesses as to who I played with and against? There's one one guy I played with and two guys I played against. I would I would have guessed you played against Jason Robinson when he was at Fylde. No, because um, Fylde were the league below Sedgley for the period that um, Jason Robinson wasn't good in a good enough team to play you <laughs> although I, I I was at final playing second team rugby when uh, he was at home and he looked magnificent he only played he only played at home he never played away games <laughs> do you yeah. want to the story behind that allegedly go on there's, there's two versions of, of this story story version number one is he had lots of family commitments and didn't want didn't want to play away games that was version number one. That was the official version. The unofficial version of it was um, Final didn't want him to play away games because he didn't want to put money behind the bar of opposition clubs to when he came because he was such a draw. But when he, I think when he first played, it was like 3,000 people showed up to Final to watch. Yeah, I think wow. it was a massive, massive draw. Yeah, it's huge. And he looked amazing. And they also had another player on the wing, um, Ollie. 
So it's Ollie, Ollie Brennan. Ollie and, Brennan. Um, Nick Nick Royal were there. Nick Royal, Wing, yeah. Wingers for a long time. I think Nick Royal still playing. I played against both of those boys. Uh, Nick Royal went to final. No, he didn't. Bellevue. Yeah, um, he went to Bellevue for a bit. He went to Coldy on, on at least one occasion. Ollie so, Brennan ran through our whole team from his own try line twice, <laughs> and then I came off came off the bench. My first ever game at flanker. Yeah, he used to play wing. First ever game at flanker. Absolutely nailed him. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> Surprised he ever played again. <laughs> In front of Bill Beaumont, uh, no less. <laughs> my so favourite, my favourite hit of UJB that I've ever seen was when we we're in um, New York or New New Jersey specifically, playing for the Beyond Bombers, and you absolutely destroyed <laughs> some young kid who's never played the game before. He was about, eight, surfer. about eight stone. <laughs> Wham! So I, I'm going to I'm going to guess Phil that it would be someone. Was it someone you played at through like schools or Colts rugby or something like that? No, because they're, they're all they're all um, much older. Much older, yeah. I mean, I, I was um, it's probably around my tenth birthday. Oh, sorry, eleventh birthday when this game happened. Okay. Uh, Radlinski. No. no, sadly not. I never played against Oral um, when they when they were um, a good team, a high team. Uh. I have no idea. Um No. So I'll tell you. So one I played with um, is on the... So he played for Wigan, but only in the Union game. And the two, two I played against, one played for Wigan in both games, and one played for Bath in the Union game. Henry Paul? No. Yeah, Henry Paul. Henry Paul? Henry Paul. Well, when he went to Leeds. That's uh, cool. Played, when he played at Leeds, yeah. Ah, clever. Very cool. Oh, so, must, so was he playing in the same team as Luther Burrell? Uh, I think the timings were different, actually. Because at that, at that time, Luther Burrell was playing for Otley. Ah, I'm with you. And the, and he, and, and and the so, so Henry Paul, um, on the Bath team, it was Graham Dorr. Who played at Plymouth, Plymouth till he was in into his forties, into his late forties, I think. He was a hard man. Yeah, did your brother play for Graham Dor? Yeah, he did. And uh, Graham Dor, his main move, which nearly got Plymouth to the Premiership, they narrowly missed out uh, on promotion behind Bristol. They had a team with uh, Dan Ward Smith was their number eight, and uh, they're they, 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 they a really really good team that that went on to do some do some good things. Um, but they basically, Graham Dorr said to my brother and all the forwards, except for Dan Ward-Smith, you never, ever pass the ball. If you pass the ball, you're getting, <laughs> you're getting replaced straight away. That was the rule. And, it, and, and, they, and their, their, their signature move was a 14-man maul, which they did all the time. And it was quite a maverick move at that point. No, it wasn't something anyone else had joined in on. <laughs> and I've never so, seen a crowd angrier than when I went to, I went to watch Nick uh, play for Plymouth against Bristol at, at the Memorial Ground. And Plymouth did like a smash and grab, got, got absolutely mullered the whole game, defended for their lives, and then just scored a couple of 14-man pushover tries and snuck a win. And the, so was that, 2000, that was 2003, right? Was it ish around that era? Maybe yeah, two thousand three. Maybe two. 
Yeah, when I went to uni, two thousand and two, to Bristol. I purposely moved to Pilton, just down the road actually, at Bishopston, close to the memorial ground, so I could watch rugby. And that year, they got relegated. The Shoguns got relegated. So it would be the next year when Plymouth would have, it'd be two thousand and three. It was it was around that it was around that era, yeah. And uh, and I've I've never seen a crowd angrier. Like, because I, I was basically with you know my family, and we were all clapping Plymouth when they were doing the lap of honour. And I've, I mean, f- f- bearing in mind, Bristol rugby fans are brilliant, and rugby fans generally are good natured. We were getting sworn at, we really? were getting all kinds of abuse because we were clapping Plymouth. They were like, "You're a lot of a disgrace. Piss off back to disgrace Devon." Disgrace the game. Yeah, that's not how you. Yeah. That's not how you should be ashamed to follow that team. So that year, that. that... That year when your brother played, the year before, they've had Andrew Sheridan, Julian White, uh, who else? Phil Phil Crispers over there. Oh, I I played against that Bristol team in a pre-season game. Andrew Sheridan, um, Gareth Gareth Archer, Mm. uh, Jason Jason Little, Uh, uh, (laughs) Gus P. Shot. Was it it Jason Little or was it Daryl Gibson who was there? Well, I, I, I played against... Jason Little, so maybe that was Jason earlier. Jason Little then went to Gloucester, I think, and then Gibson replaced him. And there's P-Shot and Contipomi as well, who were kind of the big deal. Kind of. Kind of. They're all right. Kind of. That's yeah. cool, Phil. Henry Paul... Graham Dorr. Graham Dorr. The other one, uh, so he was on the bench in the um, Union game, came on for the last 10 minutes or so, um, was uh, Scotland international Andy Craig, who played for... Oral leads. I think he went on to Edinburgh for a year or two and then finished his career off at Sedgley. Played with him for two or three seasons. Yeah, we could play this game all day. I would never have got Andy Craig. Uh, yeah. Andy Craig, yeah. That's a tough get. <laughs> it's pretty tough, mate. <laughs> a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So, uh, the last two things I'll mention is, one... I don't know what they were thinking in the production meeting when they made the... When the Wigan players scored, or when they introduced them, they basically had the mouth-breathing for 10 seconds. Next to their <laughs> Those video clips were amazing. <laughs> that, that dance music playing that I played in the background. Yeah. And then just a, instead of a, a, a shot, a picture... Yeah, it was them moving, but they didn't say just, they didn't, they never said like, they obviously said to them, no, don't just smile. You need to make it clear this is a video. So just move your mouth around. <laughs> like, I, I swear we saw Martin Afires come to bed eyes. <laughs> uh, and I can't remember the last bit, but oh yeah, the kits, uh, the kits were nice. Oh, the Wigan kits are classic, isn't it? The yeah. bath kit was not good. The bath, well, the, the bath, second one was the second. The bath, yeah, the bath the union. Kit was was yeah, the, Come on. 
the wig and shorts were <laughs> oh sunny sunny bill williams would have been proud of those yes. shorts yes they were like you know it's, it's the fashion that uh you know young women in recent years where the where the shorts so you can just see the bottom of the butt cheek that's how wigan <laughs> wore their shorts yeah i mean yeah yeah i agree um, <laughs> and then they, they look like they had a, a silky texture to them as well yeah lovely to rub your hands just across oh, the oh. the fabric of the shorts uh right i think surely we're done surely no no, no. there's one thing you've missed oh, and it's, it's on sorry. the attire there was one other thing which people were wearing which was very odd oh, the time the scrum hat, yes, for the, yeah, the leather, the leather scrum hat, like it was almost like a boxing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but there was something else which a bunch of the players were wearing. The nose plaster, the, the nose, nose plasters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they were a very short-lived fad, weren't they? They are so ridiculous. I, I just love, I love the idea of the marketing company coming up, like basically. Do you know where they're from? Faking the science to be able to sell them. Oh. Do you know where they're from? Uh, is, is it a snoring device? Is it to stop snoring? As I understand it, I'm going to need to be fact-checked here, but I think someone in Liverpool University invented them, and then Robbie Fowler adopted them. I remember Robbie Fowler wearing them, yeah. That seems yeah, to make sense to me. Yeah, I remember <laughs> get, getting my mum to get me some when I was playing like a mini <laughs> rugby tournament. I got my mum to, to get me one, because yeah, these players well, were not? wearing them. You know, it, it can improve your breathing by, you know, a couple of percent. Uh, yeah. Like, absolute bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's no way, there's no way if that study gets peer-reviewed, it's going to show anything different. Hang on, <laughs> hang on. Let me, let me just retract my claim. It's all coming back to me now. It was a Northwest Tonight report. Yeah, this is, I think this is close to the truth. Robbie Fowler wore them. Okay, so I'm going to sound crazy now. <laughs> wore them. I'm trying to think if you might have had shares in them or something ridiculous. University of Liverpool did tests on them and came to the conclusion there was no benefit. I think that's the story. That's that, why it's on Northwest tonight. That sounds. Steam's new show. That sounds very, very likely. <laughs> yeah, that sounds more likely, doesn't it? Any... <laughs> uh, that's, I think that's everything for me. Oh, um, Andy Robertson's hair. Yeah. And yeah. he, he, he was a uh, nicely balding, but he still managed to dye it blonde. He did. He looked, um, yeah, yeah, he looked alright. It was. Look. There was like the sun in sort of. Uh, he was trying to stealthily dye his hair, but not be spotted dyeing his hair. Whereas Sean Edwards was like, "Look, I'm just going to bleach my hair." All right. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Eddie and Steve-O earlier because that was the that was the kind of takeaway for me. I miss I miss Steve-O because Eddie still does bits and bobs, does he? Um, Eddie's still involved. Steve was done. Steve was finished. Yeah, Steve was retired, isn't he? I hope he uh, retired. I hope he retired because he wanted to retire and he wasn't. No one, out the no, door. One makes, no one makes Steve do anything that he doesn't want to do. That's the thing about Eddie and Steve. Particularly Steve. I mean, Steve is the hardest commentator ever to live. He, he could afford <laughs> anyone. Um, Eddie, not so much. Uh, just, just the pair of them are so good. I wish, I wish more commentating teams would look at what they do. Funny enough, I was talking to, I'm going to name drop now. I was I was interviewing with Phil, uh, Rob Weber. Ding. I don't know how this came up, but it did. And we were talking about Eddie and Steve and how enthusiastic they were. And he and he said something really interesting, which was, "Yeah, it really annoys me as someone who plays in the front row how much people slate scrummaging. But actually, even if you hate it, if your job is to compensate on the game, 
you should just be enthusiastic. Just be excited so everyone else can be, be excited. And that's what Eddie and Steve did. Now, I'm not saying they did it artificially. I genuinely do believe that Friday nights for Eddie and Steve were the best nights ever. And each Friday was better than the last. It's Salford City Reds <laughs> against Widnes yes! on this December Friday night. It's the biggest game in the world right now. <laughs> they, they, would pre- they would preface their questions at halftime and stuff like this. Like, um, Eddie. We all know we've all we all know that we've already got the greatest game on earth. But do you think we could make improvements? <laughs> yeah, There's something to be said for that. There is. There is. The... Yeah, it, and it's a fair point. The Rob Webber point, I think, probably is is a good one. You might whinging about scrimmaging. Scrimmaging is glorious. Get excited about it. <laughs> I will try and consider that next time I'm about to have a massive moan about five reset scrums. I love a scrum so much. I just hate, I hate how long it takes to get one of them finished. Well, it depends. Yeah. If it takes a, a minute, I mean, the, the Exeter Saracens scrum to open at the final was something like 30 seconds uh, of just staticness, just standing there. Oh, that was the glorious. Urgency, waiting for... I think, I think, was it that or was it a Bath one? It might have been Bath There was There was an England-Argentina one. Oh, yes. That was the uh, one. Yeah. I can't remember when that was. That was so and low was, and so solid. Yeah. And they were waiting for the strike. And that's why everyone, that's why everyone was... Um, oh, that's another one which I heard. I'll, I'll, I'll bore you with this uh, quickly. So, yeah. They were waiting for the strike. Um because as soon as the hooker left, lifted their leg, they knew that the pressure was going to come on. So that's yeah. static. And then lift his leg and then hook the ball. But the other one I heard which is really um, devious was the back row. This is an England one. The back row pretending to pick up or to, pretending to go from the scrum. So the opposition back row would detach and then they'd have a secondary drive. I think, no, it must have been the England scrum half. Would, you, can't, you can't dummy from a scrum, can you? A scrum no, half can't dummy. But the scrum half could go to the, uh, the number eight and then look as if he's running away with the ball, for instance, or just do something which makes... Look as if he's going to get an eight, nine... Like, run from the yeah, base as if he's going to get an, a pass, eight, nine pass. Okay. And then the back row switch off and then England would engage their secondary drive. Uh. See, there is more to it than just pushing. You, There's not, not oh. enough trick plays these days. I remember uh, an England game. It would have been about, around about the time of this bath. Wigan cross codes match and maybe slightly earlier, but Richard Hill was the not Richard Hill the flanker, Richard Hill the yeah, scrum yeah. half, and uh, they had a five they had a penalty on England had a penalty on the five meter line, and took a tap penalty, and it was looking like one of those where like just the forwards were all charging to the scrum half at the ball to take a pop pass and try and barge over from five yards, and Richard Hill instead just did a little, tapped it, picked up as if he was going to pass to a forward, but just dinked it over, just did a little kick. Did he use his, he use his knee? Or was this when he had, um, is this when he turned his back to the opposition? I think it might be when he turned his back to the opposition then just did a yeah, kick over, yeah. over his own head and the forwards ran through and scored. Because Austin Healy did that to great, great success. And did he? Famously, yeah, famously Carlos Spencer did too. Yeah, ah. some, someone else in, I want to say New Zealand Super Rugby did it. Tony Brown. Oh, no, it wasn't. Maybe Sapoanga did it. Yeah, it's Sapoanga. The reason I say Tony Brown is because he's been coached by Tony Brown at the time. Uh, okay. Tony Brown was the attack coach. So if you go on YouTube, look at uh, Highlander's attack and the, Tony Brown, some of the stuff is mind-blowing. 
Mm. Well, that actually br- brings me to the, the final point of business, which is uh, any suggestions for homework this week? <sighs> Whatever's on. I don't know. <laughs> you tell me what to watch, I'll watch it. I have seen a bit of chat about um, the Lions games. Second test. I was in South Africa for that, so we could do that. Oh, the 09. The 09 tour. Yeah. Oh, nine second test. Yeah, and we did get we did get um, emailed a link um, to them on Twitter, so we got emailed, yeah they're so on they're oh, on they're on YouTube, think, but they're but they're named something totally different. They're not. Yeah, I think them. Rugby Pass were doing them. I think Rugby Pass were putting them up with maybe all sorts of commentary or something. Well, no, the, the, so the, the, I'll find the tweet. I'll, I'll send it to to you guys and have a think about. Um, whether we can tweet it out, but they're on you. They're on, definitely on YouTube. Yeah, they're under different names. Okay. As in, they're named after like films. They're not named Lions Rugby Test. Oh, okay, cool. Very good. Very sneaky. My main memory of that, I would love to do that. That second test particularly. But my my main memory of that is how brutal it was. And then Bod does a monster hit on a guy that comes um, on. Guys that comes Rus- on in the back. Russo. Russo. Danny Russo. Danny Russo. And then Danny Russo tries to get up from it and just yeah. fall, falls backwards like he's punched. I drunk. tell you what, it's amazing the amount of stuff which was missed, like the eye gouging on. Um... Oh, um, was that first test though? That was second, second test. Second test, I think. yeah, eye gouging on Luke Fitzgerald. Scout Burger, but he got he got a yellow card for he got it. Got a yellow card for it, yeah. Which just Jesus seems, Christ, which seems <laughs> incredible. Christ. So you spot eye gouging. He then got something like an eight or ten week ban, and they were all. And then and then give a yellow is quite incredible. Yeah, and they were also wearing Justice for Backies tops <laughs> the week after. Yeah, no, no, the week before, or was it? I don't know. Didn't Berger oh. get a two-week ban and get back for the third test? Probably, probably. I don't know. Weird things happen. Hey, why don't we save this for the time when we actually review the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's so we, we're, we're going to try and get you a link. Uh, look on our Twitter feed at Rugby Podcast, and we'll. But by whatever means, watch the second test between the Lions and South Africa in 09, because it was a brilliant match. Brutal. It was a really tasty game. Um, right, he's at Jay Beardmore in the cesspit. Being... Um, and on Twitter. Oh, yeah, on Twitter. Phil might actually tweet if he gets under 20 minutes and has to prove that it actually digitally exists. Otherwise, you know, let, let the world know that he got under 20 minutes on 5K. One thing we didn't talk about on the main pod, which I'll just briefly mention... We didn't mention the potential matchup between Sonny Bill Williams and Mike Tyson. I really don't care about him. I mean, I don't care about players not playing rugby. I don't really care about retired boxers. And I don't really care about charity too much. So, uh, yeah, uh, if it happens, cool. We'll talk. I, don't, yeah. I, I, I kind of don't disagree. I'm, I, I look at this and go, well, if, if Sonny Bill Williams wins, he's beaten up a 50 mid 50s man and that doesn't look good and if Mike Tyson wins <laughs> yeah. then well he's a former world champion boxer what did you expect yeah and also also Sabre Williams is earning an ungodly amount of money from Toronto Wolfpack don't put your brain in, in the way of Mike Tyson's fists because I'm telling you this much he's not winning that he's not yeah. he's not yeah. even going to be a couple of my one of my favourite um, comments that I saw on this was he um Mike Tyson would drop him faster than Aaron Smith's pants in an airport bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. And on that bombshell. Right, have a great week.
Right, see you see you on Sunday, not before. Yeah, nice one. Let the boys play. Cheers, boys. Take it easy. Bye Thanks, bye. guys. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.